Thank you again for being here this morning. And some of you were with us the last couple of nights as my brother, Dave Harris, was able to share with us the first night on identity. And then last night he talked about restorative justice. And today he's going to pull all of that together into what it means to have power in relationship uh, and how being one body and one unity allows for real, authentic, Christ-like relationship to happen. And so I'm just thrilled that Dave has been here with us. He's from uh, originally his father, grandfather. Some of those are from the Trinidad area. Uh, his wife is from the Dominican Republic. And so uh, they met and they bring a unique perspective. And they are part of the CMC church up near the Orlando area now. And so I'm just tickled that they could be here with us this weekend and share with us. And so, Dave, I want to pray for you, and then I'll turn the time over to you. I know he's going to share a little bit about his church and uh, for those of you that weren't able to be here earlier uh, in a moment. So let me pray for him. God, thank you again for my brother Dave. Thank you for the words that he has already shared with us from your scripture, your truth, that stands the test of time. Your, Your word is eternal. Uh, And regardless of what's happening in contemporary society, your word has the answers for that because you know the human heart, you know the solution to human problems, and you provided all of that in your son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray this morning as Dave speaks that he would speak truth from your word to us and that we would hear it and not only hear it, but we would believe it and do it, uh, that we would be doers of your word. So help him, help us uh, this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I must say, what an awesome time in worship. That was a very holy time. So happy to be a part of that. Amen. So, good morning. <laughs> I must say that. I just want to let everybody know that we did stay in the same hotel last night. It was a very good time for us, and uh, we definitely will go back. When we come back this way, we'll be staying at that same hotel. Um, I was a little bit distracted yesterday. Uh, before I preached, there were a few things that were going on, uh, besides I'm not going to go over the hotel situation, but those of you who are here, you know about this, that situation. And then on top of that, you know, my gators were getting beat by Alabama, so that's always a, a throw-off, you know. We came real close, though. We came real close, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So first of all, I just want to give praise and honor to my God and my Savior for just allowing me to be here. Um, he's allowed for me to be a vessel and be able to for him to be able to bring a message through me. I'm just truly humbled for that. Second of all, I'd like to give uh, thanks to, to the Shepherd's House. The Bible says they give honor where honor is due. And uh, I just thank Pastor, Pastor Sean for just allowing for, for us to come here. Um, a great man of God. So blessed to have met his wife, a woman of God, and his beautiful family. And I tell you what, I'm sitting down there worshiping. These guys singing behind me, I mean, they could be a Von Trapp family. I mean... <laughs> This thing in different harmonies. I was like, wow. You guys could be a choir. You guys could, could just get up here and just praise and worship. That was awesome. All right. So Pastor Sean already kind of recapped everything that's been going on. So um, I'm going to go ahead and get started with this. And uh, first thing that I want to talk about today is that, as Pastor Sean said, that everything that I've talked about is going to all centered around relationships. Now, how many of you all know that we serve a relationship type of God. Amen? Our God is about relationship. He's not about religion. So before I get into this, I just want to just briefly just talk about me. 
I'm not going to talk about everything that I talked about the first day, but I just want to kind of just give you a background of where I'm coming from. So I'm one of four pastors um, at Faith Christian Fellowship in Tavares. I'm an associate pastor. I've only been a pastor for about four years. Actually, my first CMC conference was actually right here. I sat over there in that section somewhere. My wife and I, my son, obviously a lot younger then, and we had a great time of fellowship. Uh, it was a great time in the Lord. You guys welcome, welcomed us with open arms and greatly appreciate this as you have done this, this weekend for us. Um, we have a pretty diverse body um, at our CMC. We are a multiracial, multi-ethnic type of church, and that was the vision that our pastor, the senior pastor had, Pastor Buddy Walker. And uh, again, with four pastors, it's, uh, I'm Af- obviously African-American. We have a biracial pastor, and we also have two white American pastors. We did have a Hispanic pastor, but he has gone on to another church. And so our church congregation is pretty diverse uh, with blacks, whites, uh, Hispanics. Um, we had a few Filipinos. And uh, our church is really known in the area for having what we call a victory garden, which means that we, uh, we serve a lot of produce. We grow a lot of our produce and we serve different communities in the area. And we also partner up with the food pantry. Um, and so we give a lot of food out and we give a lot of produce and we get the minister to through people uh, in the community. How many of y'all know that when you have food, when you say food, everybody comes running, right? <laughs> food is the one thing that can bring people together, amen? So before we joined CMC, we were part of a non-denominational church. And my background is Christianary and missionary, Christian Missionary Alliance. That's where I grew up. But my wife and I, we attended uh, non-denominational churches. So I'm going to apologize ahead of time if I get a little bit too amen trigger happy and uh, hallelujah trigger happy. So you just, gotta, you just have to forgive me on that one. That's just the background I came from. <laughs> All right. So getting back. As we all know, we are living in some troubling times, um, some crazy times. We have situations where we see rage and frustration. We see this Black Lives Matter movement, and we see people getting frustrated and want to destroy things. And we look at these protests, and some of them, most of them, actually 93% of those protests that, that we heard about were actually peaceful protests. But those 7% is the ones that we heard about on the news and how people just went Buckwild crazy and just decided to just go all out and doing things that, that they shouldn't. But I believe everything is centered on relationships. Everything comes back down to that. I mean, there has never been a time, because of our God is a relational God, there's never been a time that I've ever seen somebody not one to Christ without a relationship. And we know that our God is about relationship and not religion. So everything, I believe, is focused on that. So as I was looking at these whole, all these situations happening with Black Lives Matter and, and all these different types of protests, all these crazy stuff happen, happening, I noticed something. My, my, my question was, where was the church in all of this? Where was their part in this? And I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about all churches. I'm talking about all, all denominations. Where, where were they? Why were they not leading these protests? Why, why, why were we not standing up and saying something and talking about the injustices and, and, and what the Bible says and, and how we are to follow the word of God? Where, where, where were they? So as I'm looking at a lot of these things that are happening, it, it, it helps me reflect back to the 1950s. The last time that I saw a lot of protests, I, didn't, I, I wasn't alive then. But uh, a lot of the history of protests 
that happened back in the 1950s in the Civil Rights Movement. And during that time, we saw denominations come together. We saw people of different ethnicities and races come together, and they stood for righteousness. They stood for what was right. Now, of course, they had a lot of hostility that came with it. But if you watch some of the videos and read some of the history, I noticed that a lot of them, the protests were very violent as for the violence that were coming at them. But they never actually struck back. They almost had that, the, the same philosophy as in the Bible as turning the cheek. And I believe that for the people that didn't know the Lord and they saw these things happening, they actually got to see these people live the Bible out. So I decided that I wanted to get involved a little bit during this time. And I wanted to go and get involved. I, and I actually wanted to, to walk in a peaceful protest. So I went to a protest. Before I went there, I invited a lot of the people in my church that said, hey, I'm going to be out there. If you want to like to join me, it's up to you. You can join me up there. But I feel that, you know, that, that, I, you know, that I need to make a stand. I need to, I need, I need to walk for, for, for what's right. So I walked. And what was awesome about that time that I went, and it was in Leesburg, Florida, is that they started with prayer. They had one of the local pastors come up. They started with prayer. I said, praise God. I know I'm in the right place. And then we had all this law, law enforcement that as we became, as we started to walk, they walked with us. And we were all standing unified as one group of people. And I thought that that was awesome. So I believe that a lot of that, and interestingly, that whole movement of going to Leesburg, that was led by a millennial. That was probably someone that was in probably about 24, 25 years old. And this this guy was bold enough. He organized the whole thing, and he brought all these people together. And I was like, wow, look at that. You got the next generation that's really up here um, that's, that, that's trying to unify us. But then again, I believe that all that is structured on the relationships that that guy had brought to that particular area. So our foundational scripture today comes from Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 2, the one scripture verse. And it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Amen. So to build upon relationships, I believe the one thing that we have to leave, what has to leave us is that word, that PR word, pride. Pride is something that we have to put to the side and we have to allow for humility and gentleness to come forth. And I believe that that's more of a kingdom-minded mindset. That's more of an eternal mindset. That when we put things, we put our pride aside and, 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 and we focus on the unification of the body of Christ, that, that, that humility and gentleness is one thing that comes with that. So listen to these sets of verses. And I have all these verses listed on the slides here from 1 John 3, 18. And tell me... If you hear what you hear is the common denominator. Oh, oh, go oh goodness. Here I go with uh, education technology. I just want to let you know that I've been an educator for 17 years. <laughs> and uh, I've been a school administrator for five years. So you have to excuse me if I use some education jargon. 1 John three eighteen says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions. And in truth. How many of y'all know that love is an action word? The word love is an action word. We can't say that we love you to our brothers and sisters 
We got to show them that we love them. Colossians 3, verses 13 through, it should say 14, not 13 through 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us. It binds us all together in perfect harmony. 1 Peter 4, verses 8. It says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So when we are studying relationships and the building up of one another, the one thing that we have in common here is the word love. Why? Why is that so foundational to relationships? Because we know that our God is love. And if God is love, and we have the Holy Spirit that lives in us, and God is living in us, then that means that we were made to love. We were made to love one another. As you all know, we are all made in the image of God. As I said a couple days ago on Friday, we are made in the image of God, which means that the Spirit of God has placed a little bit of himself in each and every one of us, his characteristics the ability to love, things of that nature, the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit is already central to, to the believer. It's just a simply a matter of just practicing that. So that also means that we have to love even when love is not appreciated or wanted. Love is the root word, but it's also tied, if you read that scripture in Ephesians, to another word. This is a word, I'm, I'm not going to front. This is a word that I often struggle with, and it's the word patience. How many of y'all struggle with patience? <laughs> Don't ever ask God to say, Lord, please, give me some patience. Because if that happens, look out. <laughs> God's going God's to put you in a situation where you're going to have to use that. You know, when it comes to patience, you know, I, I think about myself driving on the road, and uh, I'm pretty sure some of you guys can relate to that. When that person cuts you off. You're like, oh, my goodness. Sometimes we lose our faith with that. We're like, oh, goodness. But then we have to recognize, hold for a second, I got a Jesus bumper sticker on my back. I can't. <laughs> I got to calm down with that one. Can't be so impatient. <laughs> How far will patience go as a testimony of our witness for Christ? Followers of Christ are called to demonstrate patience in all of their relationships and circumstances. Again, love is an action word. We have to show our love. So recently, um, I would say in the past year or so, uh, one of my friends, one of my college buddies, by the way, I'm a go Gators. I am an alumni of Gators. Go Gators. All right. I don't know too many Gators in here, but it's okay. It's all right. Part of Gator Nation here. Okay. So he is, he's also a Gator, and he is an emergency medis- medical doctor. And he recently s- s- had a stroke. And uh, it's a, it was a pretty sad situation. And I remember at the time, my wife was and my son were, was in DR, the Dominican Republic. And uh, when I found out, actually found out through Facebook um, that he had a stroke. We used to keep in strong contact, but then we kind of drifted away as years go, on, go along. We would talk to each other maybe every few months. 
And so I called him and I said, you know, are you okay? And I, I mean, this is a, a quick, this is normally a quick talking type of a guy. And he's, and he's talking real slow. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put aside everything and, and I'm going to come see you. I'm going to come see you. So I dropped what I was doing and, and it was a Friday. I said, listen, I'm going to come Saturday morning. I'll come early. He's like, man, you don't have to come. I said, no, I need to come. And as I went down there, he actually lives in Tampa. I went to Tampa and he had a whole lot of family that was at his house. Um, a lot of cousins, relatives, things like that at, at the time. And you could see just from the way he was walking and his slowness that, man, he's, he's really going through it. And so I waited there in, in, with his house, waited for everybody to leave. And I just kind of sat, didn't really say much. And then it was just him and I. And I didn't, I didn't really say too much of anything. I was just there. I was just present with him. And uh, I said, hey, brother, you know, I'm praying for you praying for your recovery, and that was pretty much all was said. We just sat there. Um, he didn't want to talk, and, um, and it, was, it was a pretty sad time. So as I drove back to the house, I'm thinking and, 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 and thinking about all these things, and, and as my wife came back from DR, I said, you know what? We need to go and see him and his family. We, we, we need to go and, and touch base with them. And so we came back down, and we spent some time with them, and they were encouraged and stuff like that. And you know what his wife said to my wife? His wife said to my wife, you know, you guys are the only ones out of all the people that came to our house, all the relatives, you guys are the only ones that are actually consistent with us. You guys are the only ones that are actually standing with us and being there for us and encouraging us. And, you know, that kind of just hit me hard right there. Not only is he my friend, he is, he has, and it's been a while since we talked, but just the simple fact that us just having the, the spirit of being present made all the difference because love is an action word. I can simply wish him well, but to actually go to him and actually say, brother, I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. We're with you right now, and I'm going to continue to, to make sure that you're all right. And so the scripture that came to mind when that happened is, I just remember that scripture as I was sitting next to him, and it says, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. And I believe that that is one thing that we can do during this time in our country where our country seems so divided. It's to stand for righteousness by standing with people. We may probably feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. But... It's great to be empathetic about people's situations, but there's more power, power. Power speaks more in volumes with our presence. So point number one, we have to be able to build relationships. That doesn't come easy. Point number two, the model of reconciliation. Notice I, I said here the model of reconciliation because I, I've had, you know, I've heard people say, well, why do I have to be reconciled to somebody? I don't even know. I, I haven't done anything to him. And I said, yeah, I, you're totally absolutely correct. But I'm not talking about reconciliation here. I'm talking about the model of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 through 19, it says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So let's be real here for a second. 
We are living in a society that's full of hatred right now. It seems like if this is the new normal, unfortunately. There's never been a time in my life growing up where I've seen America so divided. Never been a time. And, you know, I'm not young, but I'm not old either. But there's never been a time in my life where I have seen it so divided on both sides, on, 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 in every ethnicity. It's crazy. If there is conflict within our communities, how do we as a church address that? How can we help with that? And I believe it goes to Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. And this should really be another foundational text. Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. And you all know this well. It says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no lights, no, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will not praise you. They will praise our Heavenly Father. Being the light of the world means that the Lord uses us to give hope and encouragement to a world that desperately needs it. And I believe that that starts with the power of relationships built on love and patience, molding a modeling of reconciliation. We have to be able to be examples of reaching a world that wants to stay angry, that wants to show, and we we must show them that that we are the light of Christ. We can walk into any situation and be the light of Christ. So in education, uh, in order to help a teacher be able to become a better instructional teacher, we can do a couple things. We could either do what we call side-by-side coaching, or we can do something called a demonstration class. So in a demonstration class, we simply are seeing where they probably are struggling with. And then so we find a class that's doing it right. It's real simple. And then we have, we, we, we allow to set aside time for this person to go and model and actually see the model of this demonstration class happening and say, oh, so that's how you do it. And so I believe that we as a church, we are the demonstration classroom. We are the ones where the world must look at us and say, oh, this is how you are to act. This is how you are to be. This is how we are to reconcile our differences. This is how we are to show love. We are the demonstration classroom. In the model of reconciliation, we can be the bridge between hurting communities. We can look for opportunities to be blessings to others, to show them what Christ is like. You know, one thing that that I remember with, 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 with trying to evangelize and telling people about the Lord is that people don't really, people that don't know the word, they don't really care too much about this. They don't really care too much about this until they see this in me. Once this is in me, this, then that'll get them curious. That'll get them saying, you know what? Maybe this Jesus guy, I got to give this guy a fair shake because I see it in, in, in that brother right there. We may be the, open, the only open Bible to a world that's hurting. And it happens through our example. It happens to how we treat others. It happens to how we reconcile our differences with one another. At our church, we have two distribution sites. 
I talked about one that happens at our church. And then we have another distribution site which happens in what people call, in an area where people call the hood. And in this time, you know, people would think, okay, well, they might think, okay, well, in the hood is probably mostly African Americans, but actually it's not. It's actually a mixture of all races and all ethnicities. It's just simply just lower income people. In this particular area, though, there's a lot of craziness that's happening in there. A lot of drug dealings that that are going on, things that could happen, right? Literally where we are, where we are giving out food, Literally a block down the street on the left is where most of the drug deals happen in that area. And those people are bold. They are bold to, to go and they'll do stuff right in the corner. You can see it happening right before your eyes. You're constantly seeing cops driving up and down, patrolling the area. And I'm like, wow, look at all this happening. And it's happening in broad daylight. Here we are a block down the street and we're giving out food. We're praying over people. We're, 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 we're giving short messages and exhortations to people and giving them words of encouragement. Look at the stuff that's happening right down the street. So most people would probably look at that and say, well, shoot, I ain't going up in there. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. You know, that's, you know, there's a whole lot of darkness going on in there. But going back to that verse that I said in Matthew 5, yeah, there might be darkness over there. But guess what? We are the light. So when we are walking into that area, we are walking with the light of Christ. We are walking with the light of Christ and we are walking by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And when God is on your side, how many of y'all know that when God is on your side, if he be for you, then who could be against you? So when we walk up in that, in, the, in that, we walk in there with that faith that we are doing the will of God and that we are there to be a light in an area that might have darkness. Because even in that area of darkness, there's still people that need Jesus. And so we get to minister through those people through that. We get to be a model to the people in that area. So this leads me to my next point. The Holy Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit. John 3, John 16 verse 13. Before I read that, how many of you all know that apart from the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing? You know, Jesus set that example. Jesus didn't start doing his miracles until he had the Holy Spirit come on. So if Jesus couldn't do nothing at that point without the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing apart from the Holy Spirit. He was that model. In John 16, verse 13, it says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truths. However, in order to be led by the Holy Spirit, we have to be spiritually sensitive to the Holy Spirit. How do we become spiritually sensitive to the Holy Spirit? To be spiritually sensitive to the Holy Spirit, it just simply means that you have to have some communion time with God. You have to have that one-on-one with God. You have to be able to not just pray to God once in a while, but be consistent in your prayer life. Your prayer life must be consistent. I remember uh, before I was a pastor and we were actually at a storefront, our church. So what it is is that, I've, again, I've only, maybe I haven't said this or not, but I've only been with CMC for four years, maybe almost five years. And we came from a non-denominational background and our church actually merged with the Faith Christian Fellowship Church in Tavares. And so we became part of CMC that way. 
And so before that, we were in a mall. And if you know anything about a storefronts in a mall, there's, you have pretty much not too many things you can do. Um, there's, there's a lot of restrictions. Uh, we can't hold up flyers and say, hey, you know, come learn about Jesus or, hey, to, to, to let me tell you about the gospel. We, 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 we couldn't do any of that. We, we, we were pretty much confined to our area, and the mall told us, gave us strict rules that we cannot talk with anybody. We cannot do anything. And, you know, if you don't like it, there's a door. That's pretty much the type of, you know, idea that we had and what was given to us. So one of the nights we had a Bible study. And I remember that we had a guest speaker that night. And um, that night at the end of service, we were able to go into small groups and they said, you know what, just start praying for each other. Whatever the Holy Spirit puts on you to say to that person, just start praying for them. Just start praying. Just start praying in the spirit. And as I'm praying, I'm standing with two other people. And as I'm praying with them, I see this security guard walking right by our storefront. And as he's walking by, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, go talk to that man. Tell him that I love him. And tell him that, that I'm really alive and well, that I'm real, and that I love him. So, you know, the first thing that I say is, <laughs> come on. Come on, you ain't talking to me, are you? Really? You, you, you talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? I was like, nah. I was like, as that guy walks right past, so that tugging again. Go talk to that guy. I need you to go talk to him. So everybody knows the story of Gideon, right? <laughs> and with the story of Gideon, you know, you say, well, Lord, if this is really you speaking, Lord, then do this. If this is really you speaking, then do this. So I asked God, I said, Lord, okay, if this guy comes back, because he's walking the whole mall, it's a long mall. If he, this guy comes back in this direction and he looks into the church, because the whole time he's walking, he's walking straight like this. He's not even looking into the church. It's like he could care less about what's going on. I said, Lord, if he walks past and he looks into this church, I will go talk to him, Lord. So what do you think happens? <laughs> As this guy is walking back, he looks right into the church. I said, okay, I hear you loud and clear, God. I hear you. Okay. I walked, so he turns back around, walks back, and I said, okay, I said, excuse me a second, I need, I need to run over to this guy. I run, I run out to this guy, I say, hey, brother, I just feel that, I just want to let you know that God loves you. And, uh, you know, he's, he has a plan for your life, and I just want you to know that, 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 that he's real and that he loves you. The guy looks at me and he says, uh, okay, okay, thank you, I think. And then he walks off. I'm like, man, that was, boy, that was something. That, that was crazy. That didn't turn out the way that I thought it was going to happen. I expected for this guy to be like, really? Thank you. I really appreciate that. I was looking for that. Sometimes what we hope and think is going to happen doesn't normally happen, but doesn't mean that God is not planting a seed in that person's heart. So we get into the car and we're driving off. And the pastor calls me probably about 20 minutes into the ride. And he says, hey, did you talk to a... Uh, to a security guard or something? I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, no. Uh, did you get in trouble or something? He said, no. The, the most interesting thing happened. As you left, he came back to the church. And he said, and he started coming to us, and he started crying. 
I said, what was he crying about? He said that he was struggling in his life. His life was in shambles. And he said to himself, God is not real for all these things that are happening in my life. He's not real. But he also said this. He said, God, if you're real, have one person from that church come and talk to me that day. If you're real, have somebody from that church come and talk to me. And he said he came in there. He said he never expected that five minutes later somebody would come to that church and tell, tell me, not only tell me that God loves me, but he, but he told me that God is real. Those exact words. How about that God gave his life to Christ right then and there? Sometimes we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Not sometimes, all the time. And sometimes, and I know it's not just me. Many of us have given that tug. Hey, you need to go tell that person that I love them. You need to go tell that person about Christ. You need to go tell them about the goodness of God. We all get that. That's why we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Amen. So I could tell you about countless stories where that's happened to me before and how seven out of ten times I would listen. And shame on me for those three out of ten times that I didn't. But let's be real, okay? But understand this, that if God sent you, there has to be a bigger picture. Let me tell you this, the enemy is never going to tell you, go and tell somebody about Christ. So that's not the enemy talking to you. If you're feeling that tug, that's the Spirit of God talking to you. And the question is, are we obedient? Can we be obedient in that? We have to be spiritually sensitive in order to be led by the Holy Spirit. So John 14, verses 26, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You may say, well, Pastor Dave, what do you say to a person that is hurting? But I have no idea what they're going through. How can I be a blessing to, some, to, to someone that I don't even know what they're going through, never even been in that situation before? And see, I think that that's where faith comes into play. I can tell you about many times as I'm counseling people, and they're coming to me, and, there's, and they are just unloading on me about everything that's going on in, in their lives. And I'm like, and as they're telling me this, I'm thinking in the back of my head, Lord, I don't know what to say to this person. But then when I open up my mouth in faith, something comes to me. And, it needs, and it's most of the time... I would say most of the time it's something that is right on point with what that person needed to hear. Something that was a word of encouragement. And so I, I, I believe that that comes down to our faith. Our faith in what the Holy Spirit can do through us. If we, leave by, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the Spirit. We don't change lives. You guys know that, right? We don't do the changing. The Holy Spirit does the changing. We simply just have to plant the seeds. We simply have to be obedient, plant the seeds, and allow for the Holy Spirit to do his work. And so in this season 
that we are in right now. This season of hurt and anger and rage, how we build relationships is only by the walk of being led by the Holy Spirit to people. And if we are willing to have a spirit of presence, to stand with our brothers and sisters that are hurting right now in a very difficult time in our nation, we will see not only unity restored, but we will see people come to Christ. We have to be able to build relationships, model reconciliation, and through the leading of the Holy Spirit will help us to make a difference in a world that seems to be confused and hurt. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, we just thank you. We just thank you, Lord God, that you are a God of relationships. You are a God that loves us. And Lord, we just thank you for loving us. We just thank you, Lord God, that you see fit to use each and every one of us to to do your will and be a part of the puzzle pieces that you have forming together in order to win your people back to Christ, Father. And I just ask, Lord, right now that your Holy Spirit will rest upon your people, Father. That you will show yourself strong in them, Lord God, and that they will be spiritually sensitive to hear your voice and react to your voice, Father God. Lord God, we we thank you, Lord God, that, 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 that you have the church used as a model, as a demonstration classroom, Lord God, for people out there that have no idea of who you are. For people that have no idea that there's more to this life than themselves, Father God. So, Lord God, I just thank you, and I, I thank you for the for our time together, Lord God, and I thank you for all the blessings that you bestowed upon our lives, Lord God. And I pray that this word be a word that be a seed that be planted in everyone's heart, Father. I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen.